Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. Welcome to Beer Nuts, a weekly excursion into the world of craft beer. Brought to you by MichiganBeerGuide.com. And now, here are the Beer Nuts. Oh, you said it, buddy. Here are the Beer Nuts. Like six of us tonight. Uh, I'm Chris. It is Beer Nuts number 84. And uh, tonight's style, something I'm still a little bit in the dark on. Uh, we're going to get into that, uh, but with me, let's just, just write down through it uh, from MichiganBeerGuide.com, JR. Yo, 84 Lumber Night. Uh, dugout. Good evening, everyone. Uncle Pete. Cheers, everybody. Lieutenant Dang. Hey, hey, happy to be here. And last but not least, Mr. S.A.K. Good evening. Yeah, good look. Like I said, this is the Beer Nuts. Every once in a while, you get a big old show. Big show because big beers. Well, or, or I guess, is this style even a beer? I mean, I'm going to let you guys start explaining this because I have so many questions. Well, tonight's episode is on barley wine. Barley wine is life. A lot of people know that little phrase from certain groups and traditions, but there are basically English barley wines and American barley wines. We'll get into a little more detail in, in a bit, but... They're big beers, and I like big beers, and I cannot lie. So, so uh, we're going to uh, start the show with, as we always do, with a quote, and we're glad to have Uncle Pete back. He's settling into his new home, so we're going to let him uh, kick off the quote of the week tonight. Okay, I got a quote from uh, Dave Barry. Says, "When I heated my home with oil, I used an average of 800 gallons per year, but I've found that I can keep comfortably warm for an entire winter." was slightly over half that quantity of beer. So uh, whoever couldn't live on uh, just over 400 gallons of beer for a winter, I don't know what's wrong with you. Hey, he's not wrong. <laughs> well, we won't need 400 gallons tonight because uh, barley wines are big beers. and uh, yeah, that's, that's the only thing I know about barley wine is high ABV. Like, I guess it's a, start right with the first obvious question I've always said. Is this a beer or a wine? Why is it called barley wine? Oh, no, it's a beer. Um, there, there are a lot of high-alcohol beers out there, but uh, barley wines are the, some of the strongest beers going from about 8 to 12% or more uh, before IPAs and stouts took over the craft beer scene. You know, most beers are 4 to 5%. Well, barley wines are uh, way up there, and uh, their strength is closer to that of wine instead of beer, so that's kind of why they got that barley wine name, but... Make no no mistake. There's no grape in it's barley. So uh, wine is uh, a term normally attributed to grapes. Um, so uh, to get these high ABVs, brewers usually used a lot more malt, you know, barley to ratchet up the original gravity and uh, you know a lot more sugars. Sometimes they'll be amped up with other uh, you know, adjunct ingredients and uh, you know more sugar. So uh, we'll get in a little bit of that. Uh, in a little bit, but I think everybody's thirst, thirsty and excited about this. So uh, I believe Dugout is going to kick off with the first beer, and I love the name of this beer. I'll let him introduce his beer. All right. From Weyerbacher Brewery, uh, that's Pennsylvania, correct? Um, we have Blithering Idiot. And uh, Blithering Idiot is 12%. Um, real quickly, though, 
I want to, I found the history of barley wine interesting. I mean, originally from Greece, um, and uh, it was predates uh, by a few hundred years the use of hops. So obviously, it was a lot different. But it was known as Cristino Cristinos Oinos. So that was barley wine. Um, so yeah, they're typically eight to twelve percent, and uh, two styles. Um, American and English, of course. Um, my first barley wine that I had is the first barley wine that was introduced in the United States, or produced in the United States, and that's by Anchor Brewing, and um, that's Old Foghorn, and I believe they still produce that, but just kind of hard to get these days. Uh, the first one ever to be made, uh, marketed, was Bass Number no. 1 Ale, which was around 1870. So it's been around quite a while. Um, Back to my beer, Weyerbacher makes some really big, big beers. Um, they're not uh, they're not shy about it. This one, this particular one, is twelve percent. It um, it's uh, English style. It comes in at thirty four IBUs. Uh, uses Northern Brewer, Pearl, and Heller Tower hops. Uh, a recommended serving temperatures on these guys are typically a lot warmer to let some of the more uh, complex fruit flavors come out. So I'm going to take a sip of mine here. This pour is pretty, pretty dark brown. Um, a little bit of a head, not really, not really big. It dissipates pretty quick with no lacing. Um, sort of a ruby color. So the nose would be like kind of heavy fruit and roasted grain. Um, pretty pleasant. And the taste is uh yeah you get a bit of get a bit of alcohol burn up in the front but compared to a lot of other weyerbacher beers it's not bad this is very drinkable right now and it's uh produced in i believe december of 2017. so yeah really a lot of nice earthy spice and roasted grain maybe a little bit of rye or, or kind of peppery uh just finishes off fairly sweet with it, almost like a taste of toffee on your tongue. Mm. Uh, you know, this, this stuff rocks. It, it really surprises me because, as I said, a lot of the Weyerbachers I've had in the past have been really boozy up front. And I've typically sat my Weyerbacher beers away for anywhere from 6 to 12 uh, months before I even cracked them. But, uh, yeah, if you see this, get it. It's It rocks. Right on. And the name's pretty yeah. sweet, too. Well, that yeah. and, and another another point on it is they make this year round, so this isn't a seasonal. Uh, a lot of a lot of breweries barley wines are seasonal, but this one's not. Is it named after the after effects if you drink too many of them? I would say at twelve percent, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I just have a twelve ounce bottle. That's all I have of it right now. I can go back to the store and get it any time. Look out for the follow up brew, brew vomiting idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, they ac actually have a barrel-aged version of this oh, called Insanity, <laughs> and and we were originally uh, we were originally supposed to tape record this show last night, and there were some technical technical difficulties, and I drank my Insanity last night, <laughs> which is the barrel-aged version of the Blithering Idiot. So you can imagine, Did you see a, a blithering fox in idiot, the desert huh? like Homer Simpson, <laughs> something like that. So. Um, and indeed, if you have two of those, you'll be a blithering idiot. And if you have two of insanities, you probably will be committed. 
All right. So these these are big beers. There's there's no doubt about it. So, well, Chris, uh, since you seem to be kind of new to the barley wine world, let's see what you have. What do you what do you have for us this evening? Uh, from uh, North Peak Brewing Company. This is they are from Dexter, Michigan. Um, the anniversary. Uh, bah, anniversary. I'm going to say this one more time. Anniversary American Barley Wine. It says it's their special 20th anniversary brew. Uh, it's 10% ABV, 95 IBUs. Uh, reading from the bottle, uh, right out of your playbook here, JR. Uh, to celebrate our 20th year, we brewed a special American Barley Wine named Anniversary. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to sharing many more beers together for years to come. Cheers to you from all of us at North Peak Brewing Company. All right. Uh, it says, mine is a... From late August 2017, uh, it's still delicious and half gone already. Uh, I poured it, uh, you know, a kind of a a, a, a real uh, a light foamy head uh, dissipated really quickly. Uh, color is, you know, we're we're somewhere between brown and amber. Uh, but you could see through it. Uh, the nose, it's, it's like a, it's really sweet and hoppy. You say they use ex- the, a lot of extra malt in this. I mean, that would make sense. Oh man. The warmer this thing gets, the sweeter it gets. Uh, but yeah, uh, real, real crisp mouth, like a crisp medium mouthfeel. And yeah, really, really, really hoppy and sweet. It's, it's hoppy up front and then sweet, uh, as it goes down. This is really good. And I have been drinking ahead. So this bottle is half gone. But wow, yeah, the the warmer this, I'm almost pissed that I put it in the fridge last night. I should have just left it out. Because yeah, the Doug, you were you were right. You said the the warmer these this thing seems to get, the more the the more the flavor seems to jump out. This is really good. I'm quite pleased. Now I know that it's not wine. I'll be picking some of these up when I see them. So right, who is next? Oh no, am I alone? Oh boy. No, I was on mute. I'm here. Where's everybody else? Uh, it, I'm I'm checking right now. Uh, I was on mute too because I was talking. Uh, ah. What I wanted to say <laughs> is I uh, w- wanted to point out that you are drinking an American barley wine. Most of the beers that we'll be sampling tonight are English barley wines. But I wanted to uh, point out the differences. So I've got my uh, handy style guidelines out. And uh, category 22C is American barley wine, a well-hopped American inter- interpretation of the richest and strongest of the English ales. The hop character should be evident throughout, but does not have to be unbalanced. The alcohol strength and hop bitters- bitterness often combine to leave a very long finish. So uh, there's uh, some other things. Uh, I'm gonna, not going to read this word for word for everything, but under specifically under flavor i'm going to read it says strong rich malt flavor with a noticeable hop flavor and bitterness in the balance moderately low to moderately high malty sweetness on the palate although the finish may be somewhat sweet to quite dry depending on aging hop bitterness may range from moderately strong to aggressive so uh i won't continue to read the entire uh uh definition but uh what i really want to point out here is american barley wines big surprise have significantly more hops than their english uh counterparts so uh traditional english barley wine and that comes from the fact that you know most of the hops in uh the uk are 
uh, earthy and not nearly as you know strong and piney and and bitter as as our American hops. So, and similar to the IPAs, where you get an earthy IPA from the UK, it's not nearly as uh, strong hop flavor as the hop bombs that we get over here. So, in a nutshell, that's kind of the biggest difference is just you know more you know that American hop you know. Uh, more hops, you know, we amp up the hops in our beers traditionally as an American. Is, is that so. why? Is it just because? Is it because America? Is it because we like like you know Big Macs and big boobs? I mean, is it just why? Is it we just we we like hops over here? Just really comes down to the hops. Uh, we traditionally use a lot stronger hops, and our hops are aren't these earthy ones. They're the big piney, floral, citrusy. You know, we've just taken the hops to another level. So. I guess you could say it's the Big Mac of, of barley wines, but I don't think it's a good. Uh, I don't think it's a very good uh, analogy in this case. But gotcha. Uh, so you know, uh, so I guess we're kind of doing this backwards because we probably should have started with the traditional English barley wine. But uh, uh, Sak is going to kick us off uh, with a really nice barrel aged uh, English style barley wine. So I'll let him take over now. Uh, thank you. I have a uh, offering from Jackie O's in Ohio. This is Bourbon Barrel Brick Kiln. It is an English style barley wine, clocking in at uh, eleven point eight percent. I don't know where I got this. I don't know how old it is. It might be three years old. Um, it pours very, very dark. You can barely see through it. There's a little bit of carbonation that went away very quickly. Well, and for those of you who uh, don't know, Uncle Pete is here, and S.A.K. and myself are all together. So the three of us will all get to review this one. It's going to be a real treat. So thank you for sharing, Steve. First off, uh, a lot of caramel. There is some bourbon there. Not a real burn. This is a little bit thinner than I thought it would be, but... Um, you know, just very complex, uh, very, very rich. Uncle Pete, what do you think? Sorry to put you on the spot. Okay. Yeah, I poured a little bit in my glass, and uh, it poured thick, uh, very quickly dissipating head that was slightly off-white. It's kind of a light, very light tan color. But when I put it on the nose, I'm picking up a very sweet, raisiny, sweet kind of an aroma, um, you know, sweet juicy chewy kind of fruits like raisins it comes to mind but it smells fantastic and it's one of these ones that i think that i could probably sit here and sniff on it for a while before even taking a sip but here goes mm. nice a syrupy sweet mouthfeel uh good good thick body on it uh the sweetness is prevalent and uh, followed by some really nice uh, wood barrel uh, flavor um very warming it's what do you say, eleven point eight? I don't really get any kind of an alcohol flash. It's it's masked in there pretty good, just because I think of all the flavors. That's very pleasant, very pleasing, and I really appreciate you sharing that, Steve. I was noticing and looking some of the uh, beers we were going to drink tonight that barley wine doesn't seem to lend itself to a variety of. Uh, brewing styles, you know, nobody's brewing it with apples or walnuts or coffee. Uh, any thoughts on why that might be? 
I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those untouchables that's sort of like, leave it alone. It's fine the way it is. Um, I would, uh, some of the examples like apple barley wine would just make me wretch, I think. I mean, unless it were brewed with like some type of apple jack or distilled spirit combo. Um, but I maybe that's it. I mean, when you start to add like a lot of really bitter hops to barley wine, it turns almost undrinkable. It's too big. Um, the malt has to come through in it to be the, the drink that it is, so it's sweet. Um, so you've j- really just got to use hops that complement that, that malt bill. And considering how many things you know people put in stouts, you know, obviously mint and coffee and chocolate and vanilla and peppers, it just seems unusual that people would not experiment with playing with uh, barley wines. I, I don't know. For me, Steve, this one... Uh, I appreciate what you're saying about stouts and all of the things we like to add to it, but the stouts to me tend to come from a more uh, richly dark roasted uh, barley, you know, a a, a higher level of malting on the barley, right? I mean, not to say that these have much less malt, malted barley on it, but it seems to me that these come up much sweeter naturally versus stouts where you might normally have to add a lactose or something to really sweeten it up to this kind of level. So the complement to the roasted, uh, toasted flavor and the stouts are things like coffees and chocolates and all that kind of stuff where I don't think it would go that great with a barley wine. And and these barley wines are very complex on their own with the, who knows if they're using multiple uh, uh, different um, levels of barley in it. You know, it could give it that rich sweetness. Just my opinion, IMO. Yeah, um, you know, I just tasted this a few times, and you know, I love getting you get the uh, complex dark fruits, the raisin, you know, the fig, uh, the, the caramel out of there. And uh, as you age these, especially the barrels, you know, a lot of that stuff comes out. And I just, I actually think you, you know, maybe maybe an adjunct ingredient would would either mask or ruin some of that. Um, so. Yeah, I believe this style is just it. It's takes some time to to brew and mature in the casks, and uh, um, this is a delightful beer. And I, I did want to read. I did find a little bit about out of, um, uh, starting in the 1800s. The brick industry is a large part of the economic development of southeastern Ohio for nearly a hundred years. The brick kilns of Athens Brick Company, whose bricks can still see lining sidewalks in Athens, once stood just down the street from our production facility. Brick kiln barley wine style ale brewed in the English tradition. A deep mahogany hue is accompanied by rich caramel and raisin notes. Light herbal jabs from European noble hops round out the warming brew. So there's your noble hops. You know, hops are not a, they take a back seat to this one. It's all about you know a lot of tons of malt and. Big, uh, big alcohol, um, and it's you know, great for the cold weather. You know, warm your innards for sure. And uh, this is a barley wine season now. As brewers, I actually looked into you know brewing uh, when I was you know doing a little homework for this show, and the traditionally really not a, a really complicated uh, ingredient bill. The malt bill is you know very you could brew with only just very limited ingredients it's you you want all uh, for an english you probably use a marit solder a european malt and uh you know just a little bit of earthy hops it's not a hard beer 
I shouldn't say it's not a hard beer to brew because to get that high alcohol, you got to boil a long extended boil and you got to use tons of hops, which, you know, can make the match challenging. But as far as having a sophisticated, uh, uh, grain bill or, or, you know, complicated recipe, that's not how you make these. So I can tell you when I brew one of these, I'm going to try to remember to brew it. It's hard to do, to remember to do this, but it's really like July or August, the end of the summer, because then you can put this away and it takes six months to a year to mature to get these complex flavors out. Remind me next summer when it's like 95 degrees out that it's time to brew a barley wine so it'll be ready for when it's freezing cold up here. All right, so uh, and it, what else is funny is you know it says English style barley wine, but on their website it says American barley wine, but it tastes more like an English barley wine. You know, and there's a fine line. I guess if you're the brewer, you can call it whatever you want, but. The defining thing for me is if there's tons of hops and this is very malty, I don't, I would not classify this as an American. It might be worth mentioning that uh, this is one of those styles that's extremely popular for cellaring. Uh, these can stand up, especially the English style, <clears throat> pardon me, can stand up for years to cellaring, unlike, you know, IPAs and some other things. It's just, it does not fall off. And people traditionally, I think, uh, like Doug was talking about with his, he sits on it for six months, eight months, a year. Uh, this is something that, you know, typically improves with time. I would agree. So, this is a good one. Thank you for sharing it. And uh, so, we're about halfway through. We have six beer nuts and six barley wines. So, all of us are going to sleep well tonight, especially the one, the, those of us here that are together, they get to have three samples of barley wine. Yeah. And, of course, finish the dregs when we're done. But, uh. We're going to take this opportunity to uh, take a little break, and uh, our newest segment of the show is the Hipster Tipster, just to go over any uh, new new news. wasn't a real happening uh, news week in the craft beer world, but uh, one story that we would we just have to mention is uh, let me see if I can find where I had that. Well, uh, Uncle Pete uh, seems like one of the all-time best-selling beers has fallen off of the top three in the American uh, uh, sales. Uh, the big behemoth Budweiser is no longer in the top three. Oh, no. Aww. The not-so-king-of-beers. The popper of beers. Yep. But be honest, when was the last time you went somewhere and saw somebody drinking like a regular Budweiser, not Bud Light, but just a regular Budweiser? You got to go to the hipster bars. You'll see it. Hmm. So what I think it is is um, Bud Light, or by volume, right, is number one. And then I think it's Coors Light, and then Miller Light just unseated the regular Budweiser for number three. Is that right? Yes, I believe that that's correct. I just ruined my day. Well, I mean... Bud Light, like, does it still count? I mean, yes. It's still Budweiser. No, 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 that's a different... It's it, In the terms, Bud Light is the number one seller, so we're kind of poking a pot shot at Budweiser, but Bud Light is still uh, Dilly Dilly is the number one selling beer in America, you know. Uh, For me... But, that- you know, there's a lot, there is a lot more people that drink Bud Light than... Uh, 
or you know craft aficionados like ourselves or that's um, frat boy beer when i was in college is was bud light now when i was in the band but, it was coors light everywhere oh good god i probably so should, I wish I had stock in Coors for all of the Coors that I bought in my 20s. So I've, I've, I've found the article I wanted to refer to. Uh, before 2001, Budweiser was the top-selling U.S. beer, but it relinquished that crown to Bud Light. Coors Light knocked Budweiser out of the second spot in 2011. Now Miller Light has taken over third place, relegating Bud to number four, according to sales estimates. Um, so Miller Light... It's kind of sad that the three best-selling beers in America are Bud Light, Coors Light, and Miller Light, which all taste about the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> With all due respect to the brewers, because you know uh, it's easy for us to take pot shots at this, but they're doing something right because they're producing what the people want because people are buying it. So it's um, just because it doesn't appeal to us. But can anybody guess what number five is? Heineken. Nope. A beer that you would probably not like at all if it didn't have a lime in the bottle. Corona Extra. Michelob Ultra and Modelo both jumped ahead of Natural Light to become the 6th and 7th best-selling beers. So it says, The rise of craft beers, drinkers changing tastes, and a booming wine and spirits industry have pressured global brewers like Anheuser-Busch InBev, which makes Bud, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, Natural Light, and Bush, as well as Coors Light and Miller Light parent Molson... Coors. Big brewers have suffered, suffered injury by a thousand cuts as consumers have been bitten by the flavor bug. Imagine that. The flavor to bug. Their with flavor. And it's starting to cut into the, the big behemoth uh, sales. So, of course, we all know that uh, a lot of uh, the reaction is to go out and buy breweries like Summit and uh, or uh, Magic Hat, Pyramid, uh, Elysian, Goose Island. So, okay, well, uh, I think we can move on from that story, but uh, that was probably the best story I had. Uh, um, in local news here in Michigan, uh, Uncle Pete uh, was happy to be able to get his mug for the mug club from the brand new Detroit tap room that Founders opened up. And I also purchased a mug club membership. Haven't got my mug yet, but Uncle Pete was there and got his today. Got a great picture of it. How was your experience at the Detroit Tap Room, Pete? Uh, it's always good at uh, Founders, really. I mean, what can you say? The beers are excellent, and uh, the food was really good. And it was kind of a date day with uh, me and Mrs. Uncle Pete. And uh, we did the uh, Detroit International Auto Show and followed up with the, picking up the mug at Founders. They did uh, come up with a, a handled glass mug. It's a pint mug. And they did a glass engraving on it, so... I did send in my own uh, little small graphic to have them put on it. It was a bundle of uh, hop cones, uh, and behind those was uh, like a fresh stock of a few uh, stalks of barley. And then up on top of it, they engraved Uncle Pete on it. So very happy camper here. Nice. And uh, enjoyed my first beer at a discount, by the way, as a Mug Club member. That's awesome. <laughs> Congrats on that. Man, I am down in Detroit a lot. I should go sign up for that. Uh, there was only 800. A few beers. There's only 800 memberships, and they sold out in one day. Oh. 
I actually was Ooh, also, uh, I'm number 36 and I think I'm 361. So I did want to have reference one more article before we get back to our beer. And I've, it's an article. You can check my Twitter, michiganbeerguy.com. It says craft beer is the strangest, happiest economic story in America. And it says corporate goliaths are taking over the U.S. economy, yet small breweries are thriving. Why? So uh, without uh, going into too much detail in this article, it's a good read. Check it out. Uh, you know, find it out at Michigan Beer Guy on Twitter. Um, uh, the bottom line is uh, one of the great things that it points out is all the jobs that have been created. Total employment at U.S. breweries have gone from about twenty-seven thousand to seventy thousand between two thousand and one and two thousand seventeen. So that's a great story about craft beer. More jobs, more good beer. I'm just a volunteer. That's Budweiser. <laughs> I'm just a volunteer. <laughs> All right, Pete. Well, since you're a volunteer, I'd like you to go ahead and introduce us to your beer. So, time to start the third quarter. All right, thanks, Jar. Uh, what I've brought today to share is uh, Arcadia Ales uh, Barrel Aged Serial Killer, and uh, this is a uh, Arcadia's out of Battle Creek, Michigan. Right. Uh, they do have a serial killer. Uh, basic English style barley wine, um, but this is the barrel aged version of their regular serial killer. Is it coming out okay? Yeah, okay. And uh, what they do is they age it in the barrel uh, for 12 to 18 months, and uh, according to their site here, it transforms it into a more complex layered ale with structure for years. Hazel, claret, and color pours syrupy and raises off an off-white head. The aroma reveals sense of nutty malt, pralines, toffee, and hints of milk chocolate. Flavor follows suit but brings to the forefront a bold bourbon presence, rounding and full-bodied. Sip this rare treat at cellar temperature, preferably 50 degrees Fahrenheit, and allow the full malt and bourbon complexity to come through. Uh, it has won the gold medal for wood and barrel-aged strong beer at the 2009 uh, Great American Beer Festival. So it's a 12% alcohol by volume, uh, 70 IBUs, so it's kind of high on the hop factor, but uh, according to them, it's a it's an English-style barley wine. So let's pour it up. comes in a waxed uh, bottle. This one has a gold wax on the rim, on the neck of the bottle. And uh, this one is a fairly... Uh, I'd say a deep amber color. It's not as dark as the one that the SAK poured, uh, the Jackie O, but uh, it's retaining its uh, little bit of head here uh, much longer than the brick kiln. Seems to have poured a little less syrupy, but boy, the aromas are rich. Very similar, actually, to the Jackie O's brick kiln with that rich, uh, sweet aroma, syrupy aroma with uh, dark fruits. Mm. Yeah, much different uh, kind of a flavor here. It's a lot less, uh, it's not as full-bodied as the Jackie O's Brick Kiln. Uh, much lighter body, a little more higher carbonation. I almost get a little bit of sourness off of this, actually, uh, which was, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I know that maybe in the past uh, there's been some of the Arcadia Ales that have had some hints of sour. Um I think the shipwreck porter comes to mind one time. I got some of that was soured. It might, have, might even have been the serial killer. Anybody else, Jr. Do you have experience with that one? 
It's been a while since I've had one of these. Um, I had getting a little Vinny, like a Vinius character, like or, uh, from this, like a little bit of almost like a a tart, acidic, like almost like a wine. Yeah. Um, maybe like a sherry. Um, it's not. I don't. I don't think it's like uh, so negative that you would say like this is no. an infection or anything. It's just, just I think a characteristic. And uh, but that's that's typical though to get like a ruby port, uh, like a sherry wine type flavor out of some of these. And yeah, it's much different than uh, than that brick kiln was. Um, I'm gonna just gonna read a little bit more about English barley wine style. Of course, this is in a barrel too, and that might have had the effect, whatever kind of barrel it was in, but. The overall impression of a English barley wine from the style guidelines, a showcase of malty richness and complex, intense flavors. Chewy and rich in body with warming alcohol and a pleasant, fruity, or hoppy interest. When aged, it can take on port-like flavors, a wintertime sipper. Um, skipping a little bit, uh, going down, the intensity of these aromatics often subsides with age. The aroma may have a rich character, including bready, toasty, toffee, and or molasses notes. Aged versions may have a sherry-like quality, possibly vinous or port-like aromatics, and generally more muted malt aromas. So it was. Uh, and honestly, I hadn't I hadn't read that before this either. So, you know, that's kind of you know this is right right in there as the guidelines say. You know, that's what it's supposed to be. Um, I like to read about the ingredients a little bit. Uh, high quality, well modified pale malt should form the backbone of the grist, with judicious amounts of caramel malts. Dark malt should be used with great restraint, if at all, as most of the color arises from a lengthy boil. English hops such as North Down, Target, East Kent, Goldings, and Fuggles are typical. Characterful British yeast. Although often a hoppy beer, the English barley wine places length, less emphasis on hop character than the American barley wine and features English hops. English versions can be darker Darker, maltier, fruitier, and future richer specialty malt flavors than American barley wines. I think I'm a blithering idiot right now. <laughs> oh, you're getting there. See, I started it. I should, oh, have, gone la- I should have gone last with this beer name, right? <laughs> this has some overlap British old ale on the lower end, but generally does not have the vinous qualities of age. Rather, it tends to display the mature, elegant signs of age. So I am done reading for now. Commercial examples. Right. Hey, a little uh, bit about Arcadia, though. From what I understand, these barrel-aged beers like Serial Killer and Shipwreck Porter are the last. These They're not going to be doing those anymore. Um, I just uh, read that recently, and they've actually um, pulled, their, pulled up their roots from um, Battle Creek and moved to Kalamazoo. They're right down the street from uh, the Bell's Eccentric Cafe. So, um, I mean, literally like two blocks away. So they're rebooting. So they are rebooting. Yeah. I, um, I, I heard some disappointment in some people, uh, talking about a little bit of the chatter on social media about the, uh, the move to stop making these. So if you see them, buy them, let them just put them away. They'll, they're, they're good beers. Well, just a disclaimer. I did hear that the most recent batch of the shipwreck Porter may have some, uh, all flavors. Um, oh. So, um, well, I want to be careful with that one. But, <laughs> but um, no, I have had some great shipwreck porters in the past, but I think the latest vintage might be one to uh, do a little research on before you patronize it. But uh, this cereal color 
you know, th- there is just a slight tartness to it, but I think it's just that vinous quality of, you know, that goes with some of these. So it's definitely a much, it's nice to try different ones of these because, you know, they're all not the same. It's a pretty broad, broad category, but I think what I've learned about them is uh, when you brew them, don't get too fancy with ingredients. It's really just a boatload of malt and, and, and all about the aging them. And it's always nice when you can do them in it. They're great to put in barrels. Because when you're aging something for a long time, you know, you want that barrel characteristics come out well. So I just wanted to point out some of the traditional commercial examples. Uh, um, Burton Bridge, Thomas Sykes Old Ale, Coniston Number no. 9 Barley Wine, Fuller's Golden Pride, and the one that really strikes me is J.W. Lee's Vintage Harvest Ale um, and Robinson's Old Tom. But those are like from the old country. Um but, yeah, get yourself uh, a good English barley wine and uh, sit by the fire and uh, you will be a blithering idiot in no time. Yeah. Okay, so it's time for my beer finally. I'm really happy because it's one of my favorites. Um, and as I said previously, we were going to do the show last night. Um, I did save this one, but the insanity bit the dust last night, so... This is the, uh, a, a brewery dear to our hearts that a lot, uh, you've heard us talk about a lot. Um, the coveted uh, Coonan Brewing in Warren, Michigan, and that also Clinton Township right near uh, Chris's ste- uh, homestead. But uh, this is uh, probably my favorite beer that they make. Well, maybe one of my favorite, too, because I love 4D, too. But this is the bourbon barrel-aged uh, barley wine from Coonan Brewing. Um, and the particular bottle I have is the 2014 vintage. I did get some from this year's, the 2017 vintage, but as we've discussed on the show, it's best to, these beers uh, typically get better with age. So I said, you know what, for the barley wine episode, I have just got a, you know, barley wine is life, so we're kicking it up to the best. So, Pete, uh, you can have the honors. Uh, Coonan Bourbon Barrel Barley Wine is uh, probably one of the, you know, again, probably the, one of the top two beers that they produce. Um, it's not always available. It's kind of, it's got to be up on things and know when they have it. And But you're rewarded handsomely when you find it. So uh, uh, they actually do have a non-barrel aged uh, barley wine available, I believe, now for sale at the brewery. I could be wrong on that, but there was some recently. But this is the barrel age, the, the bourbon barrel age style. So, so let me uh, get my pour here. And mine too. Here, uh, you can go first. Steve, uh, I'm going to let Steve review because everybody's poured but me. Go ahead, Steve. Right off the bat, this pour is a lot lighter. Than the other beers, uh, I think the brick kiln was the darkest, and the serial killer was a little bit lighter. And this is, you know, more of an amber, uh, much clearer. But you can definitely smell the the bourbon, almost like a leather smell, as well. And certainly the fruits, the fig, the raisins, you know, the, the you know the other ones that have been mentioned before. A lot of caramel. A lot of caramel. Very sweet. Nice blend. Uh, you know, certainly the bourbon is not overpowering. Not. Not boozy, but it's definitely there. Okay, so I uh, I finally poured mine, and I poured it into the big snifter. 
very, very, like, almost looks like a, a sherry or a ruby port. Uh, probably why I like these so much, uh, because I, I also like those types of dessert wines. But uh, it's, it's, it's boozy. I, I get, I think caramel is the most notable, car, boozy caramel, um, maybe a little bit of vanilla and like a little bit of that sherry, like grape flavor. Um, fig, it's biscuity. Tobacco is a good descriptor for this. Um, but all in all, it's just, uh, it's a real treat to have this. It's outstanding. And when, you know, as it warms, it's going to get even better. And, uh, there's no noticeable carbonation. It's very lightly carbonated, which just doesn't bother me at all. The the taste is so phenomenal. Doesn't need doesn't need any help. It's a real winner. What do you think, Uncle Pete? Oh my god! Yeah, when I uh, when I poured this, the aroma struck me immediately. Um, I mean, it's very very aromatic. I get a lot of. Um, I guess the biscuity description or bready description, but the tobacco is what hits me, you know, leathery, tobacco-y, kind of a dry, you know, there's a sweetness in the beginning, but it finishes very dry and um, earthy. And uh, it's got legs, you know, I mean, there's no carbonation, as you said, but when I roll it around in the glass, it just leaves all those little streamers coming down the sides of the glass. And I mean, it's almost like having a glass of brandy or port wine or something like that. It has an oily mouthfeel, and not in a bad way either, but when you kind of rub your lips together after you take a sip, you know, they slide as opposed to stick. And at 14.5% alcohol, it'll definitely make you a blithering idiot. But it's uh, that's part of uh, what makes it what it is, is the, you know, the booziness. The booze, the caramel, the leather, the tobacco. It's just a, it's what a, what a barley wine, it's like the definition of a barley wine right here. It's really, we're very fortunate to live here near the brewery because this is one that's pretty evasive. Um, and it's not something, you know, it's something that you break out on a special occasion or, you know, when you really want to impress somebody or if you want to warm up or um, be happy. So yeah, we'll uh, that. this is a great beer to drink at uh, room temperature. Uh, I, I'm sure you know, we probably, if we drank it a little bit colder and then waited for it to warm up, but uh, it's at the per- perfect temperature right now, and it's just getting better. It's the highest ABV uh, tonight. Right? You know, one thing about this episode that I'm really impressed with, having been able to try three different ones, all of these are way distinct. It's not like, you know, some some beer styles you have, you know, when you nail the style, you nail the style and, you know, two or three beers can taste very similar. Well, we've had, you know, I think three English barley wines, English style barley wines here. I think all the ones we had are barrel aged in this room and they've all been completely different, unique flavors and they were all uh, very good in their own right. So, um, it's a style that's, I, I guess it's kind of broad, it, you know, you try them all so we've had american we've had some english we've had some barrel age and now i think we're going to go we save the best for last well maybe not the best for last but we've saved <laughs> the lieutenant dang and uh we know that we love mother's brewing right dan so what do you have for us out there i think you said that yours is really can't be classified as an american or an english so I'll let you 
Go ahead, Steve. Wants to... I was thinking, kind of like Madonna. <laughs> so, uh, so, Lieutenant Dang, uh, what do you got out from out in Missouri for us? Well, I've got an old one, but a good one from Mothers here. Um, this is their Foggy Notion, a barley wine, and it is off the label here. It says, not quite English, not quite American. Foggy Notion is a big old 100% Ozarks born barley wine. Um, it is, so when they first, when Mothers first came into existence in, I can't remember if it was late 2011 or 2012, or early 2012, um, they came out with this as their winter seasonal, and I think it was 2012 they first produced this, and then, um, 2013, and they put it out in four packs. For kind of like ten or eleven dollars a four pack. Well, then they had a hard this this beer. I should say this beer is um, they age it in sherry barrels, and it is it became hard for them to source the barrels, so it disappeared for four years. It was just gone. They're like, yeah, we think we're gonna brew it again, and like, oh, we don't know. And then it was kind of like, yeah, we think we're gonna do it, and it got a little more promising, but we never saw it. And then so. Finally, what they ended up having to do, um, they finally found a source that they could import a whole, uh, a whole uh, shipping container of sherry barrels over from Spain, I believe, and um, they finally put out a fresh batch of Foggy Notion this year. But unlike the four packs they originally did, this year they did um, single bombers, 22-ounce bombers, uh, waxed and at the tasting room only, at the brewery only, for twenty dollars a bomber. So total change, big flip, but um, it's still the same as same as ever. Delicious beer. So makes me kind of think about, in a way, it's a little bit representative of how the shift has changed in the beer market. A lot of people are going more towards event-driven beer releases and trying to maximize their dollars and charging more for them as well. Because I think, man, a four-pack of this, uh, you know, four years ago, that was a steal compared to $20, $20 for 22 ounces. But nonetheless, uh, here we go. I have the beer here. It is a, it is a it's kind of like old penny copper color. It's very it's pretty dark. Not a whole lot of light is coming through here. Um, the nose is a little sweet. Uh, it's not really hoppy. And um, stone fruits, maybe plum, grape. Um, you know, I, I think it kind of plays on that sherry, sherry barrels a little bit. Um, take a sip here. Yeah, it's immediately sweet on the tongue. I think of the sherry kind of grapiness. It's real light. Blends in. It blends in great with all the other flavors. Biscuity. Big, it's it's eleven percent. It's it got a great viscous mouthfeel, chewy, goes down well. Um, then it kind of lingers with some bitterness um, and comes into probably where they were trying to play on that, calling it an Ozarks barley wine, not English, not American, um, in that it does have a good um, IBU to a good bitterness. Um, and I should say, for those that don't know the kind of southern Missouri and northern Arkansas here where I'm at is referred to as the Ozarks. Um, it, there's some cities, but it gets very rural, 
very hilly, some, not some huge peaks and mountains or anything, but it's a, hill, a lot of hills and valleys and creeks and streams. And I grew up outside of Chicago and I moved down here. I really, really learned what a flash flood is because, man, it, it floods quickly when we get heavy downpours down here. But anyways, that's the Ozarks. Um, they also do a single barrel version of this, and that's just instead of taking the sherry barrels and just kind of blending and mixing it down, um, the, sh the single barrel versions are, well, that was, that was the old version. They haven't come out with a single barrel, but the, the, when they originally did it, they did. You get even more of that kind of sherry grapiness to it, which I love. Um, so it's a fantastic beer, and I'm really, a lot of us around here, around Springfield, were just thrilled that they brought it back. Um, I considered drinking a barrel-aged Bigfoot tonight because that was one of my first loves. I first hated it, and then I first really loved it of, of barley wines, and I, I love the style as a whole. But it's a funny story. I went over to a friend's house for a Super Bowl in 2003, and I grabbed a six-pack. They were still in six-packs back then for Bigfoot, and I brought it over. Never had it before. I was, like, you know, young, and I wanted to try every single beer under the sun. Go to crack it open, taste it, and I immediately hated it. My friend said, there's a bottle of Crown over there. Just go drink that. <laughs> so I was drinking Crown all night, and I left that entire uh, five-pack of Bigfoot at his house. And it's funny because then a couple years later, you know, I'm trying to get all the Bigfoot I can, and I found a liquor store in Wichita, Global Liquor, that um, they were selling uh, vertical six-packs of Bigfoot for $47 for a six-pack, and it was 04 through what, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, through 09. So I split that with a buddy, not really knowing a whole lot about the beer scene back then. I split it with my boss, and he wanted the old years because he didn't have those yet. So now I still have 07 through present with Bigfoot, and one day I'll crack through those verticals, but... It was funny thinking back about how I hated it, and now I love it. But, uh, yeah, these, these barley wines, they're thick and chewy, a little sweet. Little to, like some of the notes you guys were talking about, I think about one of your beers was the leathery, maybe a little tobacco. Yeah, this has got kind of a little bit of that going on with it, and just so glad it's back. I hope they're able to produce it again next year. All right. Yeah, that sounds outstanding, Dan. And... Shout out to the Ozarks. My dad lived in Lebanon um, oh, yeah. for quite a few years, quite a long time. Yep, it's only about an hour away from here. Quite the show, quite the beers. Hey, man, I've been to Lake of the Ozarks. That counts. I've watched hey, Ozark hey. on Netflix. Does that count? <laughs> Speaking of Lake, of Lake of the Ozarks, and we were talking about um, AB earlier... That is where they they always did their had their lake house and they used that as their test market. So back in the early two thousands, when they rolled out um, oh they rolled out uh, brass knuckles or whatever their Guinness knockoff was called I forgot what it was called and then also their Heineken knockoff they rolled out those very first anywhere in the world was right there in the Lake of the Ozarks market as their test market. I wanted to piggyback off your story about the uh, barrel-aged Bigfoot. Uh, I used to consider myself, a, when it was still called microbrews, 
uh, there was a place locally here that used to have beer tastings. You know, but my idea of you know, microbrew was, you know, maybe uh, Sam Smith's uh, old, you know, nut brown ale, you know, maybe Guinness, that kind of thing. And went there one yep. night, and, uh, you know, after a couple of, like, uh, you know, you know, course and dunk ale, but, you know, kind of light stuff, I went up, and there was this thing called a barrel-aged Bigfoot, and I never had a barrel-aged beer, and I don't think I'd ever had a barley wine. And I, I literally did a spit take on that thing. It, it was just, it was so big, and it was so foreign you know to what we i'd ever had that uh i was like i i can't drink this shit i mean i was horrified by it and now i love it of course (laughs) well that was my first experience with anchor beer uh my first uh micro brew that i had was uh anchor porter and it just like made my head implode it was so intense and now you think of it it's sort of uh, on the lower scale of extremes um but I first had Bigfoot, just regular Bigfoot. There were no bourbon barrel aged beers back then, because uh, I'm old. Um, in 1992, and I used wow. to manage this bar uh, restaurant. And it was called Lions Head Ale House, and it was uh, the first all craft beer bar in Metro Chicago, including downtown. I mean, Goose Island uh, would bring their kegs out in a van. Uh, Larry Bell would bring his kegs out in a van just to drop them off and get people on this stuff. And um, that's where I first had Bigfoot. And uh, just a quick story. My roommate at the time, he's also my cousin. He's he's a big guy. He's a big beer drinker and can really put it away. And they were having a, um, uh, this how far back judging, you know, for uh for beer events and things like that goes. I mean, this is 1992, and they were having a judging exam in in the restaurant uh, during close time. And they asked me to come in and work it. And I told my roommate, "Come on, man, just uh, this is going to be the most boring thing ever." <laughs> so he just sat at the bar and he down six pints, not just sifters, six pints of Bigfoot, and just kind of got up and walked away and. Um, disappeared sort of <laughs> after the judging was over or after the exam was over all the people were like i've never seen that before in my life that's just inhuman <laughs> that's amazing so fun story about it i mean that's early days early early you think about it no craft beer bars ever anywhere you know just that one on this in the south suburbs of uh, blue island south suburbs of chicago well, my earliest Bigfoot story was right around that early 90s, uh, probably 1990, 91. I worked for a distributor in northern Virginia that sold Anchor Steam. And one of the other uh, counterparts uh, of mine that I, I ran into accounts all the time had uh, Sierra Nevada. And I always loved the Sierra Nevada beers back then. Well, fortunately, he had Bigfoot and I had Old Foghorn. So that was the easiest trade in the world. Every Christmas, we would swap those two. I would get him some old foghorn, and he would get me uh, some Bigfoot. And here we are, uh, many years later, still enjoying those beers. I, I, uh, I know you mentioned old foghorn earlier in the show, Doug, and I wish we had. Uh, I actually do have one. It's actually in my beer fridge. Um, I was able to find some this year. Um, 
at well, Merchants let's in just, Dearborn. Um, let's let's just say we make it required homework. Find a book. Absolutely, find a big because thing. it's it's <laughs> one of the OGs of the barley wine tradition. So, from shout out to Anchor Brewing Old Foghorn Ale. So, I think that about does it, everybody. I think we're all getting close to blithering idiot status. Uh, so, yeah. So, time to shut our traps. We're a bunch of old foghorns right now. So yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I think uh, we usually go around and ask anybody any final comments, but I think right now I think we're ready to just go to Mexico with yeah. our old foghorns. Sure, yep, just make sure you follow us on Twitter at Beer Nuts Podcast. You can email the show, Beer Nuts Podcast, at ChristopherMedia.net. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody who's listened, who's downloaded. I, it, it's really it's encouraging. The, the, the download numbers just go up and up every week so i have to thank everybody for that now that i'm getting accurate data like i said there's there's way more listeners than i ever thought and they go up every show every week so thank you for that so jr let's just go to mexico yeah public service announcement do not brew with tide pods um barley wine is like barley wine is like that's how we'll end this show so as they say in old mexico city That sounded about right for barley wine. B-I-L. Yes. Barley wine is like. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.